Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing is brought to you by Influential, a strategic consultancy that takes the guesswork out of influencer marketing for your brand. We provide much-needed strategically crafted frameworks on how to implement influencer campaigns specific to your brand needs. Welcome back to yet another episode of Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. Today, we are discussing the changes that Facebook made to Facebook and Instagram and how that will affect influencer marketing going forward. Whether you're an influencer or a marketer, this will affect you. To talk to us about this and give us all the insights and information we need is Murray Legg. Murray is a technology entrepreneur with a focus on SaaS products for marketing and financial industries. He's worked in a range of industries from medical device design to investment banking. He has a passion for working in emerging social capital of influencers and how they ignite and steer public opinion, connections, and commerce. We had a very interesting conversation about the changes Facebook has made. So without any further delay, let's listen to today's conversation. Thanks for tuning in. So thank you, Murray, for joining us today. Um, Please, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and why you got into influencer marketing and maybe how? Sure. Thank you so much for, for including me and uh, taking some time to chat to me. Uh, so I'm an engineer um, and I love everything that uh, works around the technology space, but I've got a particular interest in influencer marketing. I think the, the interest comes from the fact that uh, social capital is going to be a really significant uh, part of our reality now, but also sort of future over the next 10 to 15 years. And if um, I can do something that helps bring uh, the technology to allow influencers to uh, monetize their audience and market themselves in some way, that's very appealing. So that was the start of Webfluential. And I've been running Webfluential for sort of five years now and uh, very interested in kind of how the how the space evolves and changes as time goes by. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I remember when Refluential launched, um, you guys were kind of first to market in South Africa and it was very exciting. So it was the start of many big things. Yeah, yeah, it's been quite a journey. Yeah. Um, so we obviously have you on today to speak to us a bit more about the changes that Facebook's going through, especially where it will affect influencer marketing on the marketing side and also on the influencer side. So what shifts are we seeing at the moment? Sure, it's um, it's very interesting, and I think it's 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 primarily centered around user privacy. So, I mean, so much happened in two thousand and eight and nine around uh, the leaking of people's personal de- uh, data, and we've seen yeah. technology companies come under the whip, but also being proactive around managing their users' privacy a lot better. So, it's sort of uh, sparked the uh, start of GDPR, and there's obviously been a lot of uh, news in the press around Mark Zuckerberg and how he deals mm-hmm. with that. So that's really um, the primary driver. And um, and how it relates to influencers is um, the Facebook platform, which primarily is Facebook itself, but also the two acquisitions that it made, which are namely um, Instagram and WhatsApp, are kind of key components around delivering the full customer experience to users, which is really a community, a sense of community, which you get from Facebook, uh, content, which you get on Facebook and Instagram, and then ultimately commerce. So you can buy the things that you like from the people that you trust. And that's sort of a blend of 
um, having a conversation on WhatsApp, seeing it on on Instagram, and then and then purchasing it. So um, what Facebook is really looking to do, given that it acquired those two businesses, is um, is just looking to streamline its privacy a lot better. Um, so so they've released a whole bunch of new tools, and they've got obviously some requirements in terms of how brands work with influencers. But it's all underpinned by giving the customer a great experience that they can trust in and also um, be able to manage the user's uh, privacy and data appropriately. So that's a great thing, actually. We shouldn't be scared of this at all. No, obviously it's change and, you know, industry and people don't like change. And when they have to uh, learn new habits, that's obviously there's a point of resistance around that. But it's ushering in a lot more awareness around what people are actually doing. Um, You know, not everyone is tech savvy and they might not know, you know, if they post an update that um, their data gets shared with certain places or companies um, unknowingly. So I think it's just in the interests of transparency, really. I just see people do all those, um, I don't know if you see people in your timeline, it's usually the older people who does those stupid little quizzes that tells you kind of what you were in a past life and something like that. And I'm just always like, please stop doing that. You're just giving them so much information. Yeah, for sure. So does this also impact Instagram, obviously? It does. And the way to think about it is, you know, Instagram was its own business. And when it got acquired by Facebook, um, it obviously had all the back-end tools to to manage users' accounts and uh, Instagram's mm-hmm. privacy uh, relationships with the user. But this change is now centering all of that privacy and permissioning from Facebook. And whatever you declare from Facebook obviously translates then into your Facebook account, but also your Instagram and your WhatsApp account. So um, what's, what's happened for Instagram is uh, Facebook has deprecated the API and the uh, in-depth reporting that it used to be able to do on influencer mm-hmm. posts and now that's all kind of being run through Facebook so for the creator that's just one place that they can manage everything um, and and for developers at least there's one uh, one sort of development tools and one integration that they have to build and maintain rather than having to do it at two different places. Okay, so it's just kind of streamlining things while also taking care of that privacy issue. Exactly. Awesome. So what exactly does that mean for marketers running influencer campaign on both Facebook and Instagram? What's changing? Well, if you think about it from, um, from you know, someone that's wanting to publish an ad to the Facebook or Instagram community, they can do that as usual. They can do that from business manager or ads manager. They can set up mm-hmm. the ad and, and the demographics that they're looking to target. And from that single place, they can say, I want this to show on Facebook and or uh, Instagram. So that's just one one channel that they need to manage, okay. which is easier for them. But it also gives them a comparison on, on a like-for-like basis. So they can compare the traction, reach, resonance, uh, kind of engagement of posts on those two channels. And then they can track that all the way through to how that converted in sa- into sales for them. Um, but for influencer campaigns, that's where it becomes a bit more interesting is because the influencer needs to share their... Um, basically the keys to their insights and they do that via an API and um, it's not likely that that an influencer would just hand those keys over to any old campaign manager or brand or any set of brands Um, because you know they've got to manage uh, that with a lot of people so the value that we look to add is just being a single point that influencers Mm -hmm. can connect to 
And then many brands and influencers alike can go and uh, see those performance metrics. Um, and when they want to run an ad, they obviously have to get the influencer to produce the content. Um, and then they can, um, they can boost that with paid media um, quite easily. So we, we basically, the infrastructure rails to allow influencer marketing to happen across Facebook and Instagram at scale without tripping up any permissioning issues. Um, okay. We had to go through obviously a, um, a, a very deep uh, audit by Facebook to make sure that we are managing everyone's privacy appropriately and the things that we surface are um, are in line with what they deem is responsible. So we kind of take all the risk away from the marketer or brand who might bump up against something that they maybe shouldn't have or inadvertently did. So we just kind of the guardrails for, for brand safety. And that is fantastic because I know a lot of marketers really stress about those things because they can't keep up with the changes all the time. So it's really nice to have like a third party that's trusted that already has done the homework and they, they know what they're doing, which is fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's it's good, you know, learning for us as well, just to, to understand how all these things work. But, um, you know, we, we, we're playing the ecosystem and that's the, yeah. that's one of the things that we bring to the, the market in terms of value add. So when will these changes come into effect, Murray? So influencers have been given an opportunity for about the last 18 months to be able to convert their Instagram account to a professional account. And professional yeah. means you could either set it up as a business or as a creator. And, um, and by, by migrating your Instagram account to one of those versions gives you a lot more detail into the performance of your content. You can see things right. like um, who unfollowed you. You can see how many uh, actual people saw your your content, you can see who saved it, um, a lot more than what you, you would on a, on a basic account. Um, and so they've given uh, creators an amount of time to be able to do that. But then uh, Facebook flipped the switch then for, um, for businesses who are working on that API. Um, so effective the 1st of April, businesses no longer had access to the Instagram API reporting metrics. They had to get access to those via Facebook, and that meant applying for um, for the use, showing Facebook what you want to do, and then getting approval to be able to do it. Most of you know that Influential is our podcast sponsor, but did you know that my co-host Anne heads up the agency, and that is the first ever boutique agency in South Africa that specializes in developing strategy for influencer marketing. Anne and her team are experts in the field, and they've spent years warning their skills and knowledge about influencer marketing and at some of the country's biggest PR and media agencies. The moment that you think you might want an influencer campaign, make sure to call or email them first because without strategy, they might not have the outcomes that you would like and are looking for. In addition to talking all things influence on this podcast, and also puts together the fantastic influential newsletter that comes out every month. And this is another way for you to keep up to date with the industry. The link to latest newsletter is in the show notes. Check it out. And if you like, please subscribe. And contact details are also on there. Let's keep the conversation flowing. So before the 1st of April, could anyone just work with that API without actually having to apply for this? So you could, yeah, there's sort of a, um, a journey to go through. You could apply to... Um, 
to work on it um and then if you wanted your app to be published you had to get approval from facebook so you had to submit the user case to facebook to say we're looking to do this and do you think that that's okay to do is it in line with your privacy guidelines i've got a, a question um about that you know all those third-party apps that promises people that they'll get ten thousand followers if they pay two dollars a month or whatever it is did they use those APIs and is, are they not kind of cut off from all of this because they're kind of fraudulent? Yeah, so I think what, what definitely happened is on the 1st of April, a lot of businesses went out of business when they were relying primarily on either the old uh, Instagram API or okay. they were kind of sailing a bit close to the wind with regards to the use of, of users' data. Yeah. So Facebook revoked everyone's um uh, API access and everyone had to reapply. So they were kind of looking at it through a more um, detailed lens now to check really what people were up to. So I think a lot of kind of mm, oh, gee, yeah, <laughs> yeah bu businesses that were yeah that, that were kind of pushing the boundaries a bit may have may have stopped their business. Okay, I actually really love that because it will go a long way in helping to curb that influence of fraud that we see crop up all the time, which is fantastic. Definitely. I think, you know, if you're a brand or marketer and, you know, the the idea of fake followers or, um, you know, brand safety is, is a thing and you wary of kind of tripping something up there, it really weighs on you in your experience but if you've yeah. if you've got all the right supports and the right technology in place it's actually such a great way to get a message out to an audience because it's it's trusted trusted it's it's credible and you know there's there's nothing really to worry about so Absolutely. it's a good customer experience i agree if you do it the right way it just works so beautifully yeah so um so then we come to um can you explain for us what's the difference because social media listening tool and then kind of a back-end auditing connected influencer marketing tool, especially when it comes to audience data and insights? Because I think a lot of people, when they hear a social listening tool, they think that is fantastic and you have all this data when in real life, I always kind of feel like it's just scraping data off the internet. Um, whereas when you have kind of back-end data, you really have the actual data, but people seem to get confused between those two. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting and almost gray area. But, yeah. I mean, I think one way to, to look at the, at the difference is, is kind of scraping of data versus opt-in data. Um, it's, okay. it's all around consent. And, you know, just like any relationship, mm -hmm. it's healthy if both parties are aware about what's happening and both are giving consent to that data being shared. So in a, a scraping environment, obviously, you know, you can turn on, on Twitter and you can read someone's tweet and that is effectively social media listening. Um, right. But, you know, if, you, if you're using that at a at commercial scale where you've got spiders going to... Uh, download all of that content and you're running yeah. natural language processing over it and you uh, looking at the um, avatar images and deciding you know if does this person look american or do they look uh, chinese or you know there, there's always an approximation mm -hmm. to it and um and scraping of data has a confidence interval so there's there's some truth to the data but it is not the full truth whereas in an api uh, driven setting 
obviously the influencer has given consent to their data yeah. being exposed and in, in in exchange for giving consent um whoever they're sharing it with gets full the full truth um, and full transparency into the statistics that relate to their content so you know i think there's obviously uh, a gray line between what's commercially uh, viable and then what's you know just mm-hmm. being able to read your twitter stream so you know the, the best thing to do is obviously having consent if you're going to be using data commercially um you know and, and someone might not be aware of the fact that you're using their tweets or their insights or an approximation of the insights so we, you know in terms of our business we just look to kind of stick to um the consent basis we think that that's mm-hmm. that's the right way to manage a, a relationship between not just the influencer, but also the influencer and the brand um, or agency. Sure. And also, I think very importantly, as like you said, when you have that backend access and the consent, you actually get true data and not just an estimation. So you're like, well, I think this is what's happening. You know exactly. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, there's degrees of that. So there's obviously the declared data that, you know, people say this is, what happened and then from the platform they can say this is how many people saw the the content and engage with it um there's always layers of interpretation you know uh where did it change you know public policy or where did it ignite some you know following or changing behavior you're always going to have those layers of abstraction but um if you start with the full truth you kind of the layers on top of that are more likely to be the right ones i love that so, Murray, um, please give our listeners your top three tips um, in terms of what to look out for when they're selecting an influencer marketing tool, um, especially with the help of execution of strategies. Sure. Um, so maybe, I guess, if there's three tips, maybe I could give one for each of the um, the creators, the agencies, and the brands. Sure. Um, so for creators, I'd say probably the ability to get value from a platform that's more than just jobs. So, you know, because for creators, it's really their lifelong passion to produce content that's meaningful to their audience. They don't mm-hmm. exist purely for brands. They exist to um, to engage with their audience. And if they have a, if they're involved in a platform that gives them additional insights, tips, tricks, um, references, comparisons, leaderboards, etc., that all helps mm-hmm. them to improve their profession and their their ability to produce even more engaging content. So, you know, think about it from a, um, you know, from a perspective of not just coming in to work with brands, but to learn about your um, your profession. I'd say. Um, for agencies, I'd say um, they should look for um, for technology that helps them to compare influencers on a like-for-like basis. So if you have what we talked about just now, if you have scraped data, it doesn't really give you an ability to compare apples with apples. But yeah. if you have uh, true o- API access, you can really say, okay, Let's do the the metrics here. This person's engagement rate is typically 3% and this person's is 10. So that's a good thing in terms of how much their audience trusts them, believes in their content and, you know, that the brand can participate in that conversation. So I'd I'd encourage brands, uh, sorry, for agencies to to, um, be able to do that when thinking about who to choose um, and how to work with influencers. And then for brands, um, you know, 
because brands are being supported by their agencies. So for brands to trust that their message can be shared in a kind of user-generated content style. So mm -hmm. uh, influencers and content creators will take the brands that they like and they will incorporate that into their story and they will share that with their audience. It's never going to be on brand. The icon is never going to be, you know, padded with enough um, spacing that, you know, the, the CI person would want. But yeah. everyone will love their brand for a particular reason and that's the true message and you know that so if i can encourage brands to trust in their users to share that message and then from a um an audience and distribution perspective where they would normally pay for you know out of home or they'd pay for radio or television the new normal that we're finding ourselves in where everyone is pretty much working from home and glued to their cell phone is yeah all of this content is 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 being shared on your social channels and to get the most out of that user generated content is to put paid media behind it so that you can get that to similar audiences but make the most of it in the same way that a traditional agency might have paid for the production of a television advert that's paying your influencer to produce the content but then they were also paying the tv stations to flat that advert uh, every sunday night at eight o'clock now your your media must go in exactly the same form to pay to get that content in front of more eyeballs at a higher frequency and that's you know that that's really doing what you used to do but just in a digital social format mm. so i think that's that's the tip i'd give to to brands those are great tips and i love the way how you explain kind of influencer marketing in kind of all traditional ways so people can understand it better um, because usually when you say paid media, people go, then why do we have influencers? But that's a really, really nice way of explaining it. So cool, thank thanks. You. Sure. Yeah. Um, this was really informative session. And I think everyone who's listening would understand a little bit more why Facebook is doing what they're doing um, and how they're doing it. And also that it's not really a terrible thing that they're doing. They ultimately kind of trying to make sure that our information is shared in an ethical way, right? Absolutely. So thank you for sharing that wisdom with us. Um, and before you go, can you please just tell our listeners where they can connect with you online? Sure. So thanks so much for, for having a conversation with me today. And I think it's great that, um, that brands and influencers are interested in making that connection between each other. Um, and if we can help in any way, I'd encourage people to go to webfluential.com and uh, sign up as an influencer, creator, or brand or agency and if they'd like to chat to me um i don't really um chat as much as i used to on my blog or twitter i'm a little bit scared of the general uh population of uh <laughs> comments at the moment um but anyone's welcome to email me on murray at webfluential.com wonderful murray we have noticed that you're not so much on the twitter street the last couple of years <laughs> Um, but when you do speak, you do speak sense. So anyone should follow you. Where can they follow you? So t on Twitter, Instagram, um, or on my blog at MurrayLeg is my handle and MurrayLeg.com. And on uh, LinkedIn, can anyone connect with you there? Sure they can. Uh, I think it's the same if you search on, on LinkedIn. Amazing. Murray, thank you so much for making time for us. Um, we know you're super busy. Uh, even though we're working from home, we're still working hard. And we hope that everyone out there is too. So thank you so much. Have a fantastic weekend. Thanks, Anne. Chat soon. Ciao, ciao. Bye.